Well, as we continue this series on prayer, we're going to continue to pray together as the family of faith. One of the fundamentals of who we are, part of the DNA and the culture of our church, is that we are a people who pray and pray consistently and pray together. Uh, And one way that we've been able to do this as a church is by committing ourselves at one o'clock every day, we pray for one minute every day for one thing. And and it's the same thing. We all pray together in unison at one o'clock for one minute. Uh, In 2019, up to this point, we have prayed for one thing, and we're going to continue that this week. We're praying for the one person. That one person that God has put in our life or will place in our life uh, who is far from him. And we're praying that God would open our eyes to see, identify that person so that we can invest our time and our energy and our relationship uh, uh, with them, uh, invite them to gather with us and and lead them to that place where they see uh, their need for Jesus. Uh, This is that one person uh, in 2019, that becomes our, our mission field, a relationship uh, that we have committed to in 2019 to bridge the distance between them and God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who is that one person in your life? Have you been able to identify them? Uh, this week, we're going to pray again for that one person, all of us individually praying for the one person uh, in 2019 that God would use us to lead uh, to life through Christ. And, uh, and then next week, I'm going to invite you to write the name of that person. We've been praying now for about five weeks. Uh, next week, I'm going to invite you to write down the name of that person, whoever that person is, and put that name uh, uh, to, uh, into the offering boxes or offering plate or turn those in so that as a staff, we can pray for each of the ones. Each one. We're going to pray for them. Uh, And uh, we're praying for God to do a miraculous thing that only he can do as he uses you and me as his missionaries, as those who are living the mission for his glory. Uh, So this week, let's pray for that one person. Um, Also as a church, one of the fundamentals that we have, part of the DNA of our church is not only prayer, but it's also engaging God's word together. Uh, allowing God's Word to sink into our hearts so that together as a family of faith, we are nourished by God's Word, we are strengthened by God's Word, we find victory through God's Word. And the way we're doing that as a church is we are memorizing one passage of Scripture each week. We started uh, 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 two weeks ago where we memorized John 3, 16 and 17. Then last week, we memorized Psalm 16, verse 11. We're going to recite that in a moment. If you need to find uh, your cheat sheet or your note sheet or even open your copy of Scripture to Psalm 1611 to help you recite that, uh, go ahead and make that plan. But if you're wondering what the journey is, if you have missed John 3, 16 and 7, Psalm 1611, go ahead and pick up one of these green cards, uh, and it gives you, we're going to be on week three, and, and next week... Uh, we're going to memorize Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. All right? So uh, let's begin first by uh, reciting together Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's all stand together in the honor of God's word. Let's stand together and uh, 
Psalm 1611. It's not going to come up on the screen. This is like Vacation Bible School. Y'all remember Vacation Bible School? Memorize Scripture together. So let's memorize Scripture. I will help as needed, uh, but uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to try to let y'all do this one, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. Path of life in your is the at your are Psalm sixteen eleven. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm sixteen eleven. So we'll work on that. Y'all keep on working. Y'all did better than eight o'clock. I'm, I just want y'all to know you did better than eight o'clock. Maybe it's because there were more voices at nine thirty than eleven o'clock uh, at eight o'clock. But uh, y'all y'all did well. Okay. Now we're going to memorize Matthew chapter twenty eight verses eighteen through twenty, and that's going to come up on the screen. I want you to recite these words with me. Uh, let's let's read God's word together, uh, and it's it's uh, and this one's easier because. Uh, some of you know this one, okay? Maybe you don't know verse 18, but you know 19 and 20, okay? You've heard it. You understand it. All right, so this is Jesus talking. These are the last words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel before he ascends to the right hand of the throne of God, all right? Are you ready? Let's read God's word together. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, has been given to me. Matthew, amen. Don't forget the amen. I always forget the amen. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Thank you so much. You go ahead and be seated. Uh, God will add his richest blessings to this family of faith, uh, not only at the reading of his word, but also in the memorizing of God's word, not only in the memorizing of God's word, but the applying and submitting to God's word uh, in our lives. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, to Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. Um, and while you're turning there, let me just kind of paint a picture for you. Uh, this past week, I was doing taxes, and, uh, and, and I, I, I used one of the programs <clears throat> that, that are available to us uh, where you pay a fee and you get them to guide you through tax stuff, and they ask you all these questions. Now, on this particular program, the great thing about it is that there is a little icon that pops up and it says, can I help you? And I love that question because often I need their help. And that little icon, what you do is you click on that little icon and there is an expert on the other side, a supposed expert. He's an anonymous expert. Uh, We don't know really that it's an expert. It could be just some crazy person who's never looked at taxes before. But, But we trust that when they ask, can I help you, they understand the tax code and they can answer questions for us as we try to navigate through uh, the, 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 the dark alleys and deep valleys of tax preparation. Uh, now, that is a wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, what tool, icon, do we have in everyday life that helps us through the dark alleys and deep valleys 
of everyday life. Is there someone to whom we can turn that will help us? Well, of course there is. Uh, And uh, the good church answer, and really the easy answer, it was the easy answer. It's the answer you expected me to say, God, right? that's, That's not confusing, but here's the question. Do you really use that icon? Do you turn to God for help? Especially in the deep valleys and dark alleys of life. These are the places where life becomes difficult and challenging times like Hezekiah was facing along with the the children of Israel in Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, You remember Hezekiah. We looked at Hezekiah's life and even a portion of this prayer that we'll examine uh, last year when we looked at 1 Kings chapter 18 through 20. Uh, As we were going through the stories of the Old Testament, we looked at Hezekiah. Remember Hezekiah was one of the kings of Judah uh, who became king following a wicked king, but the scripture says that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of God. Hezekiah, at the age of 25, led a revival of obedience and worship to the living God. He tore down altars that worshipped foreign powers and deities. He Uh, centralized worship again around the living God, especially at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, He uh, led the the nation to celebrate the Passover. Uh, He dedicated himself to trust the living God, uh, to uh, hold fast to God's word. And, And that is the path that Hezekiah the king took and led Israel to take that path as well. And in the midst of this great revival, this great awakening that was taking place in Judah, a foreign power, the king of the known world who would conquer the known world, a king named Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, began cutting a wide swath through the Middle East, not just in Judah, but throughout the Middle East, down into Egypt and Ethiopia, And he was conquering every city as he went. And now as uh, Judah is in the midst of this uh, revival uh, in devotion to God, Sennacherib comes to the walls of Jerusalem and stands at her gates to overthrow the city and uh, to bring Judah in submission to King Sennacherib. Well, uh, what happens is Sennacherib sends his field commander. He's called the Rabshakeh. Uh, he sends his field commander, and, and the field commander is standing outside the gates of Jerusalem, and he's hollering into the, the, the city, and he's telling the people, don't trust Hezekiah, don't trust God. He says, literally, don't put your trust in God, don't let God deceive you. If you look, and, and this is all of chapter 36, if, if you look beginning in verse 4, the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust? 
that you have rebelled against me. You flip over to chapter 37, and, and if you look, beginning in verse 8, the Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Terhakah, uh, king of Cush, he is set out to fight against you. And when Sennacherib heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, and this was the message. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Now, this is really the key question of this passage. And the key question for us today, because it's not a question that was merely in the 8th century B.C., but it's a question that predominates our daily life, especially in the deep valleys and the dark alleys of everyday life. Whom will we trust? Throughout chapters 36 and 37, trust is the key question. Whom will you trust? The the idea of trust is, is to whom or what are you looking to find well-being? To whom or what are you turning to find security? In whom or what are you placing your confidence? Whom will you trust? As the Rob comes and and mocks God and the people of God and Hezekiah, the king who had led this revival toward God again, as the Rabshakeh comes and, and, and speaks to the people of God in the city walls of Jerusalem, he's really posing the question that we need to hear today. Will we trust the words of Sennacherib or will we trust in the words of God. In whom will you trust? And trust is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing for any of us. I do find it amazing, you know, throughout my life, I've heard people say, well, it's hard to trust a God you cannot see. I, I, I used to buy that until I found myself clicking an icon, asking tax help from an anonymous source that I do not know. I trust that. And yet I can't trust the living God who has rescued me from sin's embrace, who has sent Jesus to forgive my sin, in whom I have found life and purpose and joy and power and forgiveness and hope. And I can't trust him in the daily details of my dark alleys and deep valleys. Come on now. It does come back to a choice. And and when we ask ourselves the question, will we trust the words of, of, of A, B, or C, or will we trust, thus says the word of the Lord, where are you going to fall? And, and, and that is key for us, especially when we begin to pray for victory in the deep valleys and dark alleys of our life. In the confusion, confusion and the chaos of our everyday moments, to whom, in whom, will we trust? Can, can, I, can I tell you, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. 
And his prayer is proof. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. He, he, he turned to the living God and he put his trust in the God who makes promises of victory. Maybe right in the margin or, or, or flip over in your copy of Scripture to Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. This is a passage of Scripture, a promise that was certainly available to Hezekiah as he began uh, to, to lift his petitions before the Lord and, and cry out to God for help and put his trust in God. Now, here is a promise for you and for me today. Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. God, the living God, says to his people, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Call upon me, God says, in the day of trouble. In the deep valley, in the dark alley with ferocious foes uh, 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 threatening us and, and, and causing us to, to live in despair and, and maybe even threatening uh, to, to rob us of all hope. We, we, we live in that troubling time, but, but then we hear again the promise of God himself, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will hear you. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. As followers of Jesus, we, we now live in that, that place of intimate intimacy with the living God because of Jesus. Jesus, who uh, left heaven's throne, lived his life sinlessly, went to a cross to die for our sin. He broke through the barrier of our sinfulness and paved a way so that through his sacrifice and through our faith in him, we might enter into the very presence of God, something unknown before Jesus. Today, you and I, if indeed we're followers of Christ, we have access to the very presence of God. That's why Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, is another promise that we, to which we can cling when it comes to walking through the dark alleys and deep valleys toward victory. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then, we have such a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let's keep on trusting in him. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but he was tested in every point, even as we are, yet he never sinned. Therefore, based upon Jesus and our faith in him, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find the grace and the mercy to help us in our time of need in the dark alleys and the deep valleys of everyday life. You see, the promise of God is victory. And prayer soaks our souls in that victory that God alone will deliver. Prayer is the instrument that God gives us to soak our soul in victory, in the strength of the victory he promises and he will deliver. 
And that's what Hezekiah does. As Hezekiah hears the mocking of the Rabshakeh, as he sees the armies of Sennacherib surrounding the city of Jerusalem bringing certain doom, Hezekiah turns to the living God and he begins to pray. Look in chapter 37, beginning in verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter, this letter of, of don't believe God from Sennacherib. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord. Verse 16 begins the prayer, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone. You are the God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. Verse 20. So now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Prayer is intimate, honest conversation with God. We looked at that last week. And what we do when we pray is we talk to God about our troubles. Oh, we talk to God about our troubles. I know so often as I have walked through dark alleys and deep valleys, I've talked to a lot of people about my problems. And I'm not saying we shouldn't talk to our advisors or our friends. I'm not saying we shouldn't go to counselors and and find insight and advice from them. But friends, if you want to live in victory in the face of, of dark alleys and deep valleys, if you want to taste victory pulsing through the dark places of your life, then you must first, foremost, ultimately, and finally talk to God about your troubles. That's what Hezekiah does. And certainly there are people who have given him advice, and he certainly has talked to Isaiah the prophet, but, but, but ultimately Hezekiah turns to the living God. And his prayer to God soaks his soul in the victory that God alone will deliver. And that is what he promises you today, regardless Regardless of the struggle, and I know that many of you are struggling through great things, terrific, terrible, terrorizing things. I know that there are situations and circumstances in your life that bring such deep insecurities and fears. But the promise is that no matter the form of Sennacherib at your gate, the living God delivers victory, and prayer helps soak your soul in the victory. So how do we pray like Hezekiah prayed? How do we, how do we soak our soul in the victory that, Hezek, that, that prayer provides? The first thing is we need to spread our problems 
before God. This is verses 14 and 15. Hezekiah receives the, the letter from Sennacherib saying, don't trust God, you're going to be overrun. And he goes to the house of the Lord and he takes the letter and it, it literally says he spreads it out before the Lord. I think that this is just real practical advice for us. Uh, doing taxes, and, and all of you go through this, if, if you do taxes or you take your taxes to a preparer of, of taxes, an accountant, which, uh, which is also very, very commendable. You, 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 you want to get all your stuff in order. In, in my house, what that means is we get our folders, and I empty the folders, and I spread it out on the bed. And I take the W-2s and the W-4s and the 1099s and the 867s and the 462s and the 299s and all those other things. I take them all and I put them all in place. And then I get all the receipts and all the, all the bank statements and all the things that, that go along with that. And I put those in their place. And then I have four children, but I only have to worry about three now. But uh, praise God, hallelujah, amen. And, and, and really... Uh, when it comes to taxes, that's, I only have to worry about them. That, but, but, uh, and, and really only two. But, but, but then I take all their stuff and I put that out there because that has something to do with what I'm doing. And then, then I, I get all these forms. I get all, it's all spread out on the bed. And if you were to come into my room uh, on Friday when I was doing taxes, you would see all these forms on the bed. And I'm down on my knees like this. Look, at, I wish I could say I was praying. But... But that would have been the right thing to do, right? You'd spread it all out and get it all ready. Why, why is it that we'll do that with taxes for an accountant, but we're not going to do that with the God of the universe who has loved us so greatly? Look, maybe, maybe what you need to do is start writing down on three-by-five note cards all the dark alleys and deep valleys that you're facing. Maybe it's a relationship. Name it. Spread it out before the Lord. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's uh, part of your health journey. And maybe, it's, maybe it's insecurities that you have at, in, in different places of your life. But, but name it. Write it out. I'm a spreadsheet guy. And again, I love spreadsheets. And I love formulas within the cells of the spreadsheets. Those are things that I really enjoy. And, uh, and, and I know I don't look it, but that, that was really who I am at core. I'm a spreadsheet guy. And... Uh, and so if you were to look at my prayer spreadsheet, you would find um, a spreadsheet with lists and categories of all my problems as I see them today, updated every day. And so when I'm entering into my prayer time, I will print out or pull up that spreadsheet with all the problems that I see. All the problems relationally, financially, all the problems in, in my job, at work, I, I lay them all out and I begin to pray specifically. I spread them out before the Lord. Are you spreading your problems out before the Lord? The reason we do this is because we know uh, that God has a powerful love for us and, and we need to remember His powerful love. We, we remember God's powerful love. That's what Hezekiah did in verses 17 through 20. He, 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 he gives name to God. He, he shows and, 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 and describes the God in whom he is placing his trust. He is, the, he is the Lord of hosts. That means he is the mighty warrior who has gone undefeated. 
He is the God of Israel. That means he is the God who lives in loving relationship with his people. He he is the one who dwells between the cherubim. That means that he is not a God made with wood and stone, but he is the holy, living God of eternity. It says that that he is uh, God alone who is the God of the kingdoms of the earth. That says that God who uh, is the God of the universe is the God who is sovereign and in control over every nation, whether it's America or Russia or Uh, Libya or Venezuela or Canada or Mexico or Uganda, wherever there is a nation or a group of people, God is sovereignly in control over them all. And he's the only one. He has authority even over Sennacherib's army, which he'll destroy momentarily. We look to God, and, and he, is, he is the maker of heaven and earth. That means that not only does he have authority over all nations, but he has control over all creation. This is the God who stops storms from coming, who holds the axis of the earth, and it's twisting still for a day, who brings Bread from heaven, who makes water pour out from a rock, who brings torrential rain to quench a burning, fiery altar on Mount Carmel. This is the God who controls it all, who can walk on water and to bring life out of death. When we come and we spread our problems before the Lord, let's remember that he is the powerful God. But let's remember he is the loving God. He is the one who sent Jesus to us to bring us into relationship with himself. The reason we can have confidence in our talking to God is because we know his love for us. As we remember his powerful love, then we, we then can call upon God for help. You see, so many times in my life, my, my mistakes, my failures, my sinfulness, my uh, lack uh, so often led me into deep valleys and dark alleys. Do you all know what I'm talking about? So often I, I find myself in those dismal swamps of despair because of choices that I've made. Sometimes it happens that circumstances are foisted upon me and I didn't choose them, but they're mine. But regardless of how I found myself in a dark alley or a deep valley, one thing has always been true, even at 51 years old. My mom and dad are eager to hear about my problem and help as they can. That's my parents. And that's what every loving parent longs to do. I don't run from my children's problems. I lean in to my children's problems. I want to hear what's going on. And I want to be a source of help. More than an earthly father or mother, God himself leans into our deep valleys and dark 
alleys. Regardless of how we find ourselves there, God, the living God, leans into those things. And he is ready. He's ready to give us the grace and the mercy that will help us in our time of need. He's ready to respond, to engage in that dark alley, in that deep valley, to walk there with us and lead us through it toward victory. All we have to do is ask. It it reminds me of what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 7 as he's he's bringing his Sermon on the Mount to a conclusion. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Every, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son or daughter asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? I wonder, I wonder how often I missed the help of my parents because my pride would not permit me to ask. Silly, isn't it? It's just silly. I wonder how much we forfeit as followers of Jesus, as the church, because in our pride We fail to ask God for help. Hezekiah asked, and he asked boldly. He said, incline your ear and hear, O Lord. Open your eyes and see, O Lord. Save us, O Lord God of Israel. He asked for help. He invited God on his journey through the dark alley and the deep valley. He asked God for help. And you know what about God? God was waiting, eager, ready to provide the exact help that Judah needed in that moment. And the same is true for you and me today. God is ready. He's eager. He longs. To help us. You might say, well, Eric, you just don't know what I did to get get in the dark alley in which I find myself. You're right, I don't. But I know the stuff that I've done. And even in the worst of me, God was eager. Eager to help me. Even at my worst. That's the promise that Jesus has made available to us, that even in our sinfulness, forgiven by Christ, we have access into the very presence of God, and He, as the loving Father, is ready to hold out His hand and lead us through the dark alley and the deep valley toward victory. 
All we have to do is ask. I want you to take note of verse 20, though, and, and this is, this is the, the last sentence of Hezekiah's prayer. He says, so now, O Lord our God, save us from Sennacherib's hand so that all the kingdoms of earth may know that you alone are the Lord God. You see, so often when we find ourselves in dark alleys and deep valleys, the temptation for us is to think that the goal of our praying is victory. Now, victory comes. Our well-being happens because that's who God is, and, and, and that's his promise to us. Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. So often we think that the goal of our praying is to get release or relief. And certainly that's a good byproduct, but friends, the goal of our praying for victory is not our release or relief. The goal is God's glory. The very goal for which we are praying is for God's fame and renown to expand so that the people with whom we work or the relationships that seem out of sync or, or the doctors and physicians that are looking at our health and, and how we're navigating through our health situation toward victory, that all the watching world might see God's work in our lives and say, good night. The God they serve is a real God. You see, the goal of our prayer is not that I get relieved of my struggle. The goal of my prayer is that God gets greater glory as he relieves me of my struggle. And maybe we would taste victory a little more if we would begin to see that our ambition in prayer is God's glory even more than our well-being. God's glory. So as we, as we come to the end of this message and as we embark upon the beginning of our week, and as you navigate through the dark alleys and deep valleys of everyday life, I invite you to begin this week in prayer with a prayer of victory. I invite you to spread your problems before the Lord. Maybe even now in, a, in these next few moments, just uh, take a piece of paper and list the problems or the relationships or the, or the, or the health concerns or the, or, or the finances or, 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 or your neighborhood or your communities, whatever those problems may be. List them before the Lord. And remember, remember God's powerful love for you that as he hears your, your, your plea for help, he is a loving father ready to respond, longing to respond. All we have to do is ask. Keeping our eyes fixed upon God's glory, knowing that Sennacherib, is already defeated. We long. We long for victory. 
So today, I invite you to soak your soul in the victory that God offers through prayer. In the next few moments, we're going to have time just for us to pray together. And, and, and really, I, I want to pray for you, and, 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 and I want you to pray for me that we would live in the victory that God has established for us through Christ. That we would walk in that victory, but, but as we walk through dark alleys and deep valleys, that we would call upon Him. And know that He will deliver us. And we will glorify Him. In these next few moments, let's pray together. And, and I pray for your victory. Because when you're victorious, we, the church, we're victorious. So in these next few moments, I, I invite you to pray. Come before the Lord and spread your problems out before Him. Remember His powerful love. Call upon Him for help with the goal of His glory firmly fixed in your heart.